So, Father, we, uh, we love these stories of what you're doing. We're so grateful that you're for us and not against us. And uh, we thank you for these incredible opportunities that you give us, uh, both to experience your goodness and also to give it away. And we ask that this morning that you'd speak to us again, that you'd encourage us, that you'd equip us to serve you and help us to walk with you. So, Holy Spirit, again, we say you're very welcome here. We love you. We love your presence, and we ask that you come and equip us this morning to serve you in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen. In my hand is, you probably recognize, a Phillips screwdriver. What you probably don't know is that it was invented by Mandy's great uncle or something like that, uh, who was an inventor. But nobody was interested in it, and so he let the patent slip, at which point Phillips scooped it up, and uh, it's now called a Phillips screwdriver instead of a Moore screwdriver. So it's one of many screwdrivers I have in my toolbox. And having uh, done, done up a couple of houses and done quite a bit of maintenance on them over the years, uh, I am very grateful. It's one of the pieces of equipment that I use most often. But... Even though it's a great tool, it is totally useless if you're trying to change the tire on a car. And you could spend hours, you could spend days trying to uh, take the tire off the car with a screwdriver and it just wouldn't work. Not because this isn't any good, but because you got the wrong tool. Obviously, you need a, a car jack and then you need the right size socket to be able to take the wheel off. You need the right tool for the right job. So, when trying to change a tire, don't use a screwdriver. And now, you need to remember that for later on. Don't use a screwdriver. When I've been speaking, I've been doing a series on acts of God. Not acts of nature, not natural disasters, but when God uses his power to bless people, to heal, to change lives, to turn around impossible situations, to provide miraculously. And he does all of that because he loves us so much. He doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because his love for us is so incredible. Uh, acts of God are a display of his love to bless his people. Today we're going to pick up the story in the Bible in Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 3 verse 1. The time of prayer was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And Peter and John were going into the temple. And uh, as they went into the temple, they saw a cripple, a beggar, who uh, was unable to walk. He, he was about 40 years old. He had been uh, there asking for money most days. But something different happened that day. As usual, he called out for money. But on this day, Peter responded to him, uh, unlike before. So, Acts chapter 3, verse 4. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And nothing happened. Until they took him by the hand and started to help him to his feet. And at that point, his legs that had never worked, worked muscles that had no strength, uh, were suddenly strong. Nerves that had never given the right directions to walk suddenly started to work, and the, man, and the man got up, and he walked, and he started jumping around, 
uh, very excited, creating quite a scene. This is a don't use a screwdriver moment because Jesus had taught the disciples to pray. We call that intercession. And one example of that is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Wonderful prayer. We ask God for things. We listen to him for the answers. We pray back the things that God has put on our heart and the things that we read in the Bible. That's intercession. This prayer is different. This is healing prayer. And intercession would not work in this case because it's the wrong tool. The prayer of authority is what is needed here, not intercession. So don't use a screwdriver. Just as my screwdriver would be useless in changing the car wheel, in the same way intercession, although it is a great and wonderful tool, incredibly powerful, it is the completely the wrong tool for this situation. Peter and John could have used intercession for hours, possibly days, and this man would not have been healed because they didn't have the right tool. What they needed and what they understood and what they used was a prayer of authority. They had seen Jesus do this. Jesus taught them to pray in this way, using this different tool for a different situation, and so they did it for amazing effect. You know, this is no, Father, we lift before you this dear man who needs healing and we ask that you'd stretch out your hand to heal him and blah, 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 blah. We, one guy was praying like that yesterday on the street and uh, having prepared the material, it was just really sharp in my mind. Um, instead, Peter doesn't intercede, does he? He doesn't ask God for anything. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. That's the extent of his prayer. That was all he needed to do. That's all it is. A prayer of command, a prayer of authority. They didn't try and use a screwdriver. It was the wrong tool for this situation. The only reason they said Jesus Christ the Nazarene was to clarify that it was which Jesus it was, because Jesus was a common name at the time. So Jesus Christ of Nazareth, eventually they dropped the Nazareth bit and it was just Jesus Christ, Jesus the Anointed One, Jesus the Messiah. When it comes to healing the sick, there is a simple prayer model that we use. It was originally put together by John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement. It's called the Five-Step Healing Model, and it's an ideal way to get started in uh, and becoming proficient in praying for the sick. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at it, and then at the end, we'll put it into practice, and you can watch what happens and see how easy it is to use. Just a little bit more introduction to that. Whenever we come across sickness, it is a sign or a manifestation of evil. It is part of Satan's kingdom. Jesus never said to somebody, it's really good for you to be ill because God wants to do something in your life. No, he just healed the person. It may come as a surprise to those who are new to walking with God that there is a spiritual battle going on around us. You can think of it as good versus evil, God versus the devil. The Bible talks about God's kingdom, that is God's rule and reign, God's power and presence coming against Satan's kingdom and the influence that he has in our lives. His influence in this world, the way he brings us 
into sickness, addiction, bondage, and robs us of the life that God intended for us. Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went all over Galilee, teaching in the Jewish meeting places and preaching the good news about God's kingdom. He also healed every kind of disease and sickness. He spoke the words and he did the works. He was the word worker. And whenever we see sickness, it robs people of what God intended for them. It's never a good thing. But God is able to use any situation and bring good out of it. But what God really wants is for the person to be healed as well. Now, you and I are part of God's army, his trusted ambassadors, sent out to do what we see Jesus did when he was here on earth. John 14, verse 12, Jesus said, If you have faith in me, you will do the same things that I'm doing. And that obviously includes loving each other and all the other things, but it includes this too. Jesus is still alive. He's still healing people. We've just heard some lovely stories about that. And he does it through you and me. We are his, his army, his trusted ambassadors. Types of healing to look for are spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, mental, social. Uh, and we're told that 80% of all physical conditions have an emotional cause or contributing factor. So even if you're praying for something as simple as a, a wrist that's not working, there's an 80% chance there's something else going on and you're not going to see the healing until you deal with it. When I was doing some healing on the streets training, some of you have heard this story before, we were praying for a young girl who had back pain and we prayed for her several times. Uh, her leg lengthened out as her back was released, but she still had pain in her lower back and the curvature was still there. So I, I just prayed as, as the others were praying and I was watching. I said, God, what's, what's going on here? Because the normal thing, the thing that should happen is that healing comes. Because sickness is the abnormal thing. I just felt God say, uh, she's the daughter of the leaders of this church and there's a spiritual attack against her. And so I just said, in Jesus' name, I break the power of that attack. And I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. And she got up and she started to walk around and she said the pain's gone completely and then she felt her back and she said the curvature's gone. You see, it wasn't just a physical condition. It was something that was caused by something spiritual. So we need to be alert to that as well. So anyway, we have a, a simple uh, model for how to pray for people uh, for healing. I've used this on the touchline at a rugby match. I've used it on the riverbank. At a rowing event, uh, we use it in the street, at the gym, wherever we are. Um, so let's just talk about it. The first step is the interview. And this answers the question, uh, or a series of questions. Firstly, what is your name? Where does it hurt? And when did it start? And really, that's all we need to know. Jesus asked people, even when it was really obvious that they were ill, what do you want me to do for you? So... We're getting information, we're gathering information on two planes. There's the natural plane, uh, just by observation. What can you see? What do you learn? Is the person walking with a walking stick? Are they limping? You know, what's, what's the problem? Um, what do they say? And then uh, body signs as well. But then we're also wanting to listen to God. So there's a supernatural plane at which we're listening to this. So as the person is talking to you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And uh, 
We always get people to pray in at least twos, if we can, so that the one person who's dialoguing with the person, the other person, can be listening in to God and uh, doesn't have to worry about conversation, um, but can be listening to God a lot more. So what does the Holy Spirit say? Does he give you a word of knowledge, uh, something about distinguishing of spirits? What is it that's going on there? So we spend this time sifting the natural information uh, by talking to God about it. And then also we ask God, what does he want to do? Because sometimes there's a lot more than the presenting condition that the person brings. So, for example, a woman came up for prayer for a swollen thyroid gland in response to a word of knowledge. And as uh, she was prayed for, it was healed, and they saw the swelling go down. Um, But they also noticed when they got close to her that she had a black eye that was covered up by makeup. And uh, so they were able to pray into that. And I think God used the one to help get to the other. And so she was doubly blessed. This is not a medical interview. Uh, Most of us here are not doctors. And so a medical history is not going to help us. We just need to know where does it hurt and how long does it hurt. And uh, so the interview is complete when you know where and why it hurts and when God has told you what to do. So that we try and keep very short. And especially if you're praying on the street for someone, you know, you're welcome to come to Healing on the Streets, uh, even if you've not done the training. And uh, we'll link you up with someone and you can watch what's going on and get some experience. It's a wonderful way to learn how to pray for people. But, and we use the same model when we're praying for people in the bus queue and in the check out in the supermarket or at the gym or wherever we find ourselves and uh, just keep it very short to find out uh, what's going on. Step two is the diagnosis and it answers the question, why do they have this condition? And again, we're looking at the natural and the supernatural realm. The natural realm, they contracted a disease. They hurt themselves in some way. But it could also be caused by sin. It may be a sin that they committed or a that someone sinned against them. There can be accidents. There can be secret vows. Uh, If you want to know about secret vows, come and talk to me afterwards. (coughs) Some things have an emotional link to them. As I said, 80% of all illnesses have an emotional cause or contributing factors. And so things like harboring of anger, unforgiveness, fear, stress, these can all play a role in our um, ability to be healed. Uh, There can be social situations as well. There can be prejudices. There can be unforgiveness. There can be bitterness, problems in relationship. Uh, Family problems, family spirits that have come down through generations, curses, bloodlines, genetic stuff, um, other family stuff, children dropped off at a very early age at boarding school. One One psychologist said it's possibly the most abusive thing you can ever do to a child is to uh, leave them at boarding school when they're very, very young. Um, Divorce. Children often feel that it's their fault that their parents get divorced. They just don't have the emotional grid to be able to process the situation. A lot of these things we deal with in finding freedom, but God may speak to you as you're preparing to pray for somebody uh, to give you a little nudge that you need to deal with something So that's the natural realm, and then the supernatural realm. There can be something spiritual going on. There can be some demonization or some kind of oppression that an evil spirit has brought 
There can be curses, uh, black or white magic, but also people can speak curses. Uh, a doctor's diagnosis, parents, uh, teachers, church leaders. You know, if you have someone tell you you're really stupid, often enough, when you're a child, you start to believe it. Uh, if you have someone who tells you you're never going to amount to anything, then you start to believe it, and it becomes a curse over you that limits you. And there can be these kinds of bondages and secret vows that happen. Third step is the prayer selection. It answers the question, what kind of prayer will I need to pray to help this person? And as a general rule, in a situation like this, we do pray to God. We say, come Holy Spirit. Or when we're on the street, even saying that might freak somebody out because they think, come what? Don't talk about Holy Ghost, especially, because that really will freak them out. And so when we're on the street, we just say, Father, will you come with your healing power? And sometimes you just need to wait for a moment as the person starts to receive, because for many people it's the first time they've ever been prayed for, and uh, they may just feel a little uncomfortable. So we pray to God, we ask him to come, and then we do the prayer from God, the prayer of command, the prayer of authority, a pronouncement by faith. And we see that in every single situation where Jesus healed someone, this is the way he did it. Didn't use intercession. When he wanted to raise someone from the dead, Lazarus, he just said, Lazarus, come out. Pretty simple, really, isn't it? You just tell the thing to do what you want it to do. Someone with a withered hand, he commanded him, stretch out your hand. And as he did it, uh, his, his hand was restored. So um, we rebuke things to break their power. We bind things to contain their power. And we cast things out to remove their power. But then we also have authority to release as well. So we can release forgiveness. We can release blessing. And we have authority to do that. As God's children, we, uh, we have authority to do that. God, God doesn't have some people who are more his children than others. We are heirs of the Father. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that was given to Jesus is given to us, which is a pretty mind-blowing thought. And so Jesus gives us his authority. We are his trusted ambassadors to go out and do what he's called us to do. It doesn't matter whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or five decades. It's the same thing. Fourth step is prayer engagement. So we pray and we watch. We say, come Holy Spirit, or Father, come and fill them, and then we wait for a moment. Um, yesterday I had to stop someone from praying. And he had prayed a really lovely prayer at the beginning, so I let him pray that because it was genuinely something from his heart. And then I said, I want you to just receive now. Don't bother praying, just receive. And allow the Holy Spirit to come on you and heal them. And... Uh, because when you're, when you're praying, you're giving out, and it makes it harder to receive. So sometimes you just need to say to somebody, great prayer, but just, just receive now. Don't need to pray anymore. We'll do the praying for you. Keep your prayers short. Keep your eyes open so that you can see what God's doing. We talked at our last central leaders meeting about some of the signs that you can see visibly uh, with your naked eye that, God, uh, that, that are signs of God working. 
uh, a friend of mine, a uh, lady, went to a, a women's meeting. And uh, at the end of the session, they called people up for ministry. So people came down to the front. And the lady who was speaking, she, uh, she placed her hands either side of someone's head and just closed her eyes and started praying away. And uh, when she opened her eyes, the person had fallen over. And all that was left between her hands was the lady's wig. So um, pray and watch. Jesus said watch and pray to take that out of context. But you can see what God's doing. And uh, sometimes you really do need to have your eyes open to be able to see uh, a manifestation of of what God's doing. So um, watch for the effects of how our bodies react to the presence of God's power. There can be warmth, there can be tingling, shaking, deep breathing, um, feelings of heaviness. They might look like they're glowing. There can be falling, um, sometimes because they're just overwhelmed by the power of God that they, go, they fall over. Sometimes God uses the fainting mechanism in our bodies, and the person goes down for that reason, which is why it's important when somebody goes to fall, you help them to fall and you let them lie on the ground. Because you don't know which of those two God is using. <clears throat> there can be other more extreme shakings, uh, bouncing, pogoing, all sorts. Uh, our bodies react in strange ways sometimes to the presence of God. But usually, it's very quiet, it's very gentle, and you need to be alert to looking at what God's doing. As you pray for them, and uh, I find that I run out of words pretty quickly. Uh, I'm not very good with words, so I pray, and uh, you pray the prayer of authority, you pray anything else that God just drops into your mind. Anything that comes to mind might be from God, so pray it, give it a go. But then you stop and you say, what's happening? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And uh, so on one occasion, we were praying for a guy uh, on Corn Market who's sitting on the chair. He asked us to pray for his left ear. He only had 20% hearing in his left ear. So we did the usual thing. We told him, how much God loved him. We asked God to come. We commanded the healing to come. And as we were praying, he started smiling and he started looking over to his right. So I said to him, what's going on? What's happening? And he said, those buskers are loud, aren't they? I said, yeah. So tell me more. And he said, well, when I sat down, I, I was completely deaf in my right ear. I couldn't hear them at all. But now I can hear them completely clearly. So we prayed for his left ear. God healed his right ear. Shows how good we are. Uh, God does this. It's not us at all. Be aware, though, that some people are programmed to failure. Some people are not tuned into their own bodies. I've seen people react quite violently to the presence of God. And you ask them, what's going on? They said, nothing. They're just not tuned in to, uh, to what's going on. Uh, when do we stop praying? Well, if they get up and leave, that's probably a good time to, to stop praying. <laughs> there are various ways people indicate that they've finished. Maybe they have their eyes shut and they open their eyes. Um, or as with that guy, he started smiling and looking around. Another guy uh, just had a look of amazement on his face because all the pain in his body had gone. Every, he said every muscle, every bone in his body was aching. And it was painful for him even to walk and... God took all the pain, so there was a look of amazement on his face. So we knew God's done something. Yolandi.
the, okay, for the recording, the people who are being prayed for need to have faith. The answer from the Bible is no. Because Jesus raised someone from the dead. He was being taken out to be buried. He didn't have, the guy didn't have faith. The people around him didn't have faith. It was only Jesus who had faith. So I think it's the onus is on the people who are doing the praying to have faith. And we've seen that on the street. We've had atheists come and sit down and say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that when you pray for me, anything will happen. And we pray for them and something happens. And uh, that messes up their, their equations a little bit. Um, so we would come on to this in a moment, actually. But uh, at the end of the prayer time, I would never, ever say to somebody, you haven't been healed because you don't have enough faith. Who has enough faith? Do any of us have enough faith? Uh, never say to somebody, you're not healed because you're too sinful. All of us are too sinful and will be to the day that we die. This is purely God's grace, his blessing, his loving kindness that releases this to us. It's not because we deserve it, not because we've got enough you know, spiritual brownie points because we've read our Bible enough and we've prayed enough and fasted enough and everything else. This is a, a sovereign act of God. Faith does play a part. And Jesus did say to one woman, your faith has healed you. And uh, so faith, it helps. The more faith we have, the better. And that's why sometimes in meetings like this, there are incredible healings because everybody comes expectantly with faith, expecting to see God move with confidence because we're gradually building a history of praying for people and sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does but we know that when we come together that God is on the move and so we expect to see God working does that make sense good sometimes you sense the Holy Spirit lifting and so you just have a sense in your spirit that God's done what he wants to do uh, sometimes particularly in my case you just can't think of anything else to say and uh, but sometimes they're just, we had a, someone yesterday just sitting there really peacefully, just soaking in God's presence. They loved it. And so we just let them do that, and I didn't bother praying anymore. And after a bit, I said, how are you doing? What's going on? Um, but also, if nothing seems to be happening, that's a good time to, uh, to stop and find out what's going on. Step number five is post-prayer directions. So... We want to know, have they been healed? And very often you say to someone, how's your leg? And they say, oh yeah, it's much better. Now what does that mean? Does that mean there's been a little bit of healing? Does it mean they're completely healed? And so we just use the simple tool. We say, if when you came and we started praying for you, it was at a 10 and zero is complete healing, where, where are you now on that little scale? And they might, uh, they might say, well, I'm, I'm down to an eight. Well, that's probably just adrenaline that's caused that to happen. Um, they may have got to a five, and so we say, that's fantastic. Uh, God's done some healing, but we want to see you completely healed, and so can we pray again? And so we keep going until we get down to zero. We encourage them to move the, mo the uh, part that they couldn't move. Um, we ask them if the pain has gone or if it's still there. Um, and uh, very often the healing comes as people start to move. And uh, we see that uh, regularly in the healings that Jesus did and also with the, uh, in, through the book of Acts as well. If somebody 
says I, it hasn't changed at all. I'm, I'm in just as much pain as I was then. We never say don't, you don't have enough faith. We never say you're too sinful. We never say you have an evil spirit. In fact, when we're praying for non-Christians, we don't even mention evil spirits, but we deal with them anyway. Uh, we just say, in Jesus' name, I break the power of fear. Although fear is caused often by an evil spirit. Uh, I break the power of the addiction to smoking because uh, often there's a, a spiritual thing going on there as well. It's not just a physical addiction and, and a behavioral thing. So you don't, you don't need to mention that it's an evil spirit. Um, but as I said, I think it, the onus is on us as the ones doing the healing to hear from God and to have faith. I don't know about you, but when I'm really ill, I find it really difficult to connect with God. I find it difficult to hear what he's saying, and I need people around me to have faith for me, to help me. What should they do to keep their healing? Um, Jesus said to uh, the paralyzed, the ex-paralyzed man in John 5, 14, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So this paralysis was caused by sin on this occasion. On another occasion, Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus, uh, who sinned, this man or his father, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. Nothing to do with that on this occasion. So every single situation is different. But we also can encourage people to live out their healing. So if somebody has been addicted to fear, bound by fear, under the control of fear, then Jesus brings, he comes, he intervenes to bring healing. He breaks the power of fear. He breaks the, bo breaks the bondage. But then we have to learn to live out the freedom that Jesus has given us because we've got all sorts of learned behavior, learned responses that need to be overcome as well. So we can encourage people to do that. Sometimes if somebody's had an encounter with God's love, maybe they've been living with rejection and they just feel overwhelmed by God's love, then the encouragement would be, go and read these verses from the Bible on a daily basis to uh, solidify, if that's the right word, the healing that you've got. God may give you special direction for them. Uh, general counsel is always good to read the Bible, pray, worship, fast, that kind of thing. Um, but we never, ever tell someone to stop taking their medicine. Uh, Jesus said to the lepers, go and report to the priests, because it was only the priests who had authority to declare them healed. And so we never tell people to stop taking their medicine. We say, go, if you think you're healed, go and talk to your doctor, and your doctor will tell you when to come off the medication. If you uh, think they need more prayer, then carry on praying. Pray again three, four, or more times. I think Robbie Dawkins said he did 12 12 times on one occasion before the person was healed. Uh, you can encourage them to come back next week. We'll pray for you again if you feel like you've given everything you could. Um, sometimes you, it's good to get another leader involved. Um, we had an occasion, uh, one service, where a girl said to the people praying for her that she, she had felt suicidal, and they didn't know what to do with that, and so they just called me over, uh, I felt God say that it was caused by an evil spirit. I broke the power of the evil spirit. Uh, we looked after her afterwards, but that was the last time she ever felt suicidal. So sometimes 
bring someone in who's a little bit more experienced, someone who uh, is carrying maybe a bit more authority than you feel like you have. Get help when you need it. Getting help is never a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength and uh, it's a sign of humility as well. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, nearly finished. Jesus said, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This is for us, people who believe in Jesus. Um, so, uh, what was the word of knowledge that Judy had? It was for hearing? Yeah, okay. Anybody got a problem with their hearing? Um, Okay, two people. Would you be happy to come up to the front so we can pray for you? Um, I don't want to embarrass people, but at the same time, I do want to see God at work. And uh, we've got three. Okay, that's wonderful. So if you're used to praying for the sick, come and pray for them. Uh, Mandy, would you like to come up and keep away from the mic, from the speaker? Um, yeah, Julian and Helen, come and pray as well. Uh, we want two people praying with each one, please. Okay, well, we'll go with them. Why don't you pray for some of you, pray for one, one pray for the other. Some, Yes, Louis, Helga, you'd like to come and pray as well? When we're on the street, we usually pray men for men, women for women, uh, just because people are walking past and they don't know that people have been trained. They don't know that we're making sure that this is safe. They don't know that there's someone there who's overseeing the ministry. And so usually on a Sunday we do the same, but it's not a rule that we keep to. So they're doing the, the uh, little interview that at the moment. They're, uh, you can see that um, Mandy and Carol have kept their interview very short. They're already praying. So they've done step one. They've done the interview, they've done the prayer diagnosis, which continues as you start praying and they've, they're starting to engage in prayer, as they all are now. You notice there's no hype, there's no shouting, it's just very natural, very matter of fact. Um, sickness is not impressed by us shouting, nor are demons. Uh, they respond to the authority that we carry, and the closer our relationship is with Jesus, the more authority we carry. So they're gently laying their hands on. There's no trying to push people over or anything like that. Uh, gently laying hands on their shoulders. Um, so Julian's got his eyes open. Louie's got her eyes shut just for a moment. Sometimes you can just shut them for a moment to see if you get a picture. Some of you may find that the main way that God speaks to you is with pictures. With other people, it's words. And for others, it's mainly feelings. So we want to be open to all those different ways, but you may find there's one way more, more than another. So uh, you can see Mandy's laying her hands on, uh, on the ears. And just, just look at Jo. She's looking very peaceful, very relaxed. And I would say you can see the Holy Spirit in her. And so they've stopped praying now. 
just uh, tapping again, finding out what's, what's different. If somebody has a hearing aid in, you can encourage them to take the hearing aid out and then just uh, click your finger or something one side or the other or behind them. I prayed for a guy up in Headington. He was sitting on a bench. Uh, we were, I think it was with the interns, we were doing a little outreach and uh, went, just went and sat next to him to chat to him. And we weren't actually out there to pray for people, but just chatted and uh, could see that he had two large hearing aids. So I asked him if I could pray for him, and he said yes. So he took them out, prayed for him, and when we finished praying, he said he could hear the buses. And then he put his hearing aids back in because <laughs> he, was, he was so afraid that it wasn't real. Um, and sometimes when you're praying for people who don't know Jesus, you then also get the opportunity to say, uh, you just experienced the power of God or the love of God. Would you like to know more? Because this is an invitation from God for you to be able to know him personally. just momentarily there uh, in the middle, eyelids were fluttering. Uh, that's when God uses another of the natural systems in the body, um, or our bodies react in a very natural way to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, can't remember the full name for it, but it's the autonomic system. So there's a little bit of asking God, but we want lots of commanding. Commanding the ears to be open, commanding blockages to clear. If there's a missing part, you command it to be recreated. If there's uh, damage from an operation, you might want to pray that any scar tissue is dealt with, that kind of thing. Sometimes there are particular things that seem to unlock the healing. There are other occasions when it doesn't seem to matter what you pray, God just does it. And I don't understand all of that, but I know that uh, that seems to be what works. So we encourage people to, have, uh, to be as relaxed as possible and to have an open body uh, position as well. Because um, if you're if you're closed physically, then you're more likely to be closed internally as well. So we encourage people usually to put their hands out in front of them. Um, usually tell people to take their hands out of their pockets, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it, it doesn't necessarily follow, does it? But, you know, you can see the Holy Spirit there anyway. So why, you know, you don't need to really track that. People are not going into a trance. And so uh, you can interrupt, you can chat, you can see what's going on, and then you can ask God to come again. It's not going to uh, <coughs> mess up what God wants to do because you started speaking at the wrong time.
Councillor Nandy, anything you want to report back? No change yet. If you have any questions about any of this, please do come and chat afterwards or you can talk in your connection groups. Um, unfortunately, we are... Uh, that, that clock's wrong. You've still got five minutes. <laughs> um, but we're nearly out of time. Anybody got a back problem? Yeah, David's got a back problem. So, um, Chris and Alice... Hannah, would you like to pray for David at the back here? Now, how you pray is how you're led, but sometimes when we pray for people with back problems, if it's lower back, we get them to sit square in the chair and we just very gently lift their legs to see if the legs are the same length. And if they're not, and you pray and you see the legs move out, it's a really encouraging thing, uh, and we often see that. If somebody's got shoulder problems, you can do the same thing. I'm okay today. Um, and uh, again, uh, as healing comes to the shoulders, and uh, it looks as though one of the arms is growing. So usually when that kind of thing happens, it's just realignment in the back. Uh, we did have one occasion in, uh, on healing on the streets where a guy was born with one leg four and a half centimeters shorter than the other, and he was prayed for on three different occasions, and each time God added bone into his leg uh, until it started to line up. So they're going to carry on praying. It seems that um, they're on the track of something, and so we're going to leave them to do that rather than interrupting. Um, but formally, we're going to close now. We've got a couple of minutes before children need to be picked up. If you like prayer for any reason, just grab somebody or come down to the front and we'll link you up.